morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast this morning. Joining me today is um, two guests, Claire O'Neill, who's the Assistant Commissioner, Lodge and Payment Integrity at the Australian Tax Office, and Nick uh, Pilavidis, who is the CEO of the, uh, of the Australian Institute of Credit Management. So welcome both of you, and thank you for joining me. What I'd like to, uh, I suppose the catalyst for today's conversation is a recent report uh, released by the Australian Tax Commissioner and uh, some of the findings and insights that came out of that report. It's interesting that this year we've been exiting COVID, things are starting to get back to normal and what we've found is with the fear of increasing solvencies and solvency starting to drift back to normal levels, uh, a lot of uh, organisations have become more uh, I wouldn't say aggressive, but starting to get back to a more normal cadence around the collections, and that includes the tax office. So, Claire, if we could start with you. At the beginning of the year, um, the tax office started to report on um, tax defaults uh, under very limited circumstances to credit bureaus. How do you think that might change going forward? I mean, will credit bureaus, for example, be able to maintain those records longer or will, um, or will that still need to be expunged? How do you think that might change going forward? Yeah, thanks, Scott, and hi, everyone. So the circumstances in which we can share tax debt information with credit reporting bureaus and the information we can share, it is very heavily legislated. So there's very, very strict criteria and rules that are baked into the legislation. Uh, and that includes uh, governance around how long credit reporting bureaus can hold the information and, and how they use it. So in terms of that type of evolution, um, that is very much a matter for government of the day. Uh, I think the fact that those rules are baked into legislation does give the community certainty about when we can disclose and what we can disclose, but, but very much a matter for, for government of the day, as I say. Uh, one evolution, though, that I do want to talk about, which is in how we are administering the process, is a change that we've recently made that will enable us to significantly scale up our operations. So before we disclose the tax debt information of a particular business, we need to formally notify them of our intent to do so. So those formal notices to date, uh, we've been creating and issuing completely manually. And what that means is that it takes time and resources. And so to date, we've only issued formal notices to about 10% of the businesses who are actually eligible to have their tax debts disclosed. We've actually just released a system change that will enable us to streamline the creation and the issuing of those formal intent notices. And that means from this point on, as soon as a business hits the criteria, they will immediately receive one of those intent notices. The benefit that gives us is that firstly, it means we'll get complete coverage across the population. So rather than only 10% of eligible businesses being notified, every single business will be notified as soon as they hit the criteria. The other benefit, of course, is that it means I can pivot my staff away from the lower value administrative task of creating formal notices and get them instead to be focusing on trying to drive engagement, to reaching out and offering help and assistance to these businesses to hopefully seek resolution um, about their debt. Okay. Um, Nick, that, interestingly, I mean, part of what Claire spoke about, I suppose, has been reflected in the numbers, and the ATO reported debt has gone from, you know, 54 
uh, 0.3 billion up to 61.6 billion over that 12-month period. Um, how do you think credit professionals are starting to adapt their processes to ensure that the risk is being effectively managed? Yeah, thanks, Scott, and thanks to yourself and Equifax for inviting me onto this podcast. And congratulations to Claire and the team. That's a, a great step forward to be able to streamline that process um, to ensure that the process is, is really well implemented. Um, having been part of the consultations and lobbying for this change, I know it's no simple matter to, to go through all those steps to make sure the right disclosures are, are made and, and you have to have that um, efficiency for your team to be doing what we all want to be doing is helping the businesses through their, their troubles with attacks and being able to um, meet those obligations and, and do what's best for, for them and, and all credit providers. So that, that's very exciting news. Really happy to hear that because it's a, an important measure. Um, the um, growing tax debt, as you've mentioned there, Scott, is a, a concern. It is a, a bit of a pastime of mine to, to track that year on year how the, the debt's moving because it is a significant uh, barometer on how things are, are tracking. Um, to be up 13% in that um, year to, to June is quite significant um, in a period where most of our members have seen their exposures decrease over that period. They're at record lows generally, um, starting to see some increases, but generally over that period they're reporting significant improvements due to the cash flows and things. So um, it is a significant increase, but um, at the same time, considering the ATO only really started uh, restarted their activities in, in collections in March, April, the Optus Committee sees that as a positive, that it's only gone up by 13% because there was a long period where there wasn't that um, encouragement to meet their tax obligations. Um, so for it to increase in similar proportions as the prior years is a is certainly a positive and, and shows that those businesses, once they do get contacted, are um, able to meet those. But it is the, the reason I spend a lot of time looking at those numbers is it is a, um, a hidden risk for a lot of credit professionals. This transparency uh, measure will help address that. But traditionally, it's been um, an exposure that businesses have that credit providers have no visibility to until it enters into until a business enters into insolvency. And then there's a surprise of how much uh, burden has been carried by that business. So that exposes uh, credit providers to um, hidden risk um, when they're looking to extend credit. And it's something that members can't get access to because they often don't have that power to ask the customer about their how they're going with their tax repayments. They don't have that commercial relationship that major creditors and banks might have. Um, and trade creditors provide credit every month. They're providing new credit each month, so they can't keep asking it month after month. So to hear that the, the measure's implemented, there's those efficiencies coming through uh, to make sure the notices are going out a lot quicker will give some confidence to credit managers that those businesses are being encouraged to take care of that debt. Claire, can you talk about the risk you think the ATA may be taking with such a targeted approach towards um, addressing those outstanding debts? Yeah, thank you. The, the primary risks that we're really trying to address, um, not just through this measure, but through the resumption of all of our pipelines, um, that there's a number of risks. But I think the first risk uh, that's quite relevant to this discussion is the risk to us, but also to the whole business community, of the lack of certainty around the financial viability of different businesses. Uh, we all know that there are some businesses who on paper, it looks like they still exist, but potentially they've actually shut up shop. There are others who are still trading 
but really when we get underneath it, they're potentially trading insolvent. And I think the risk of that is a lot higher now in this post-COVID economy uh, because of the last two years than perhaps it was previously. So measures such as this, where we are increasingly disclosing the large tax debts of, of high-risk businesses, will go some way to helping to alleviate some of that uncertainty and, and provide uh, the opportunity for more informed decision-making where it does relate to some of those businesses. Uh, some of the other risks we're particularly wanting to address at the moment, though, uh, include superannuation guarantee. So the debt book is higher than it was previously, as Nick has commented on. A portion of that is unpaid superannuation. We're prioritising recovery actions around superannuation, irrespective of the size of a business's tax debt, even if it's a small amount, we will prioritise our actions to try to recover superannuation as a priority. Um, another risk that we're taking a different targeted approach to, with, with the aim of really driving higher awareness, is the risk that we know there are lots of companies where there are multiple directors and not all directors may be fully aware or really understand the, the true status of their business. So the financial status and really what their obligations are. Generally, when we're trying to contact a business about their tax debt and trying to seek resolution, you know, we, we tend to focus our contact at the nominated contact. But what we've done through some of our awareness campaigns this year is that we've deliberately written to every single director of a company rather than just the nominated contact. So for instance, director penalty notices, uh, we have been issuing more DPNs uh, this year, uh, roughly about 150 a day. They personally affect every director of a company. So we've actually written to all directors of those companies rather than just the contact to let them know that the status of their company's debt means that all directors are potentially going to be liable for a director penalty notice or a DPN. And so taking a different approach about how we're contacting and communicating some of this engagement um, is addressing that risk that perhaps there are people out there who generally just aren't quite aware of, of really where they're up to with their business and what their obligations are. And, and that has had huge benefit in terms of engagement back to us, huge response rates, and we're seeing really good engagement from those businesses as a result. Nick, when you speak to your members, how do you see that this growing debt, well, ATO, and particularly ATO debt, is impacting their collection strategies? Yeah, thanks, Scott. It is a big number that um, we're talking about here, the $61 billion in, in total. It's, it's a big number, and when you break that down into small businesses that make up a large proportion of that, it does create that uncertainty. It leads to the assumption that all small businesses aren't paying their tax debts, and that's certainly not the case. There's a huge amount that are. There's lots of great businesses that are doing the right things. But it, when we keep hearing those big numbers, it leads to that um, fear of negative bias, essentially. That's another reason we've, we push so heavily for the, the transparency measure, because there are great businesses out there that shouldn't be caught up with that uh, stigma of, of other businesses that aren't doing the right thing. So for, for credit managers, they need to um, really take um, a close look at their customers. And, and I say that all the time because there's lots of different risks out there that we're, we're worried about at the moment, um, but they don't impact every customer in the same way. So the collection strategies really need to be around getting to know your customer, getting close to them and understanding their viability, um, particular to them, not making assumptions 
that they're in this particular high-risk industry, so they're a high-risk customer, they can be a very strong customer at understanding them. Um, and then that allows you to focus your activities on those that really are high risk and help support those businesses that are viable and, and doing very well. Claire, what approach do you take when you set up a repayment arrangement, especially when a, a repayment arrangement is broken? And how do you decide when to decline that repayment arrangement? And how does that change when the disclosures are removed? Yeah, great question. And firstly, I'll just say that we've had really, really positive engagement from the community with respect to payment arrangements. So we're currently getting twice as many payment arrangements established per day than we were last year. So the rate of payment arrangements is growing, going up, which is great to see. So in terms of uh, approving or potentially declining payment arrangements, uh, firstly, if a business has got a good compliance history, if their debt is not significantly large, so less than 100,000, and if they do have capacity to pay, then generally a payment arrangement establishing it with us will be fairly straightforward. And in fact, in most cases, the business will be able to do that online themselves without even talking to us. If a business has circumstances outside of those parameters though, so for instance, the debt is several hundred thousand dollars, if they're looking for repayments over an extended period of time, uh, generally, you know, we obviously prefer payment in full, um, if a payment plan is to be put in place, one year is really preferable, but we can look at two years. But if a business is looking beyond two years or there's a poor compliance history, then generally we will ask for more information before considering the, the proposal. So we may ask the business to provide us additional information about their monthly expenditure and income so we can really get some certainty about their capacity to pay. If a business establishes a payment arrangement and then starts to struggle to meet up with the repayments, we're always happy to renegotiate and to look at what else can work, but particularly if the business has been keeping up with their repayments to date. If a business, however, has got a history of repeated payment arrangements over time, which start to create this pattern that suggests actually they don't have a viable cash flow, or particularly if they default repeatedly, then we would be more inclined not to accept a renegotiation or another payment arrangement in the future. Now, the intersection with the disclosure of tax debt information to credit reporting bureaus, uh, if a company or a business uh, has a payment arrangement in place and they are sticking to it, then we won't disclose their tax debt information to the credit reporting bureau. If we've already disclosed their information and then they enter into a payment arrangement, then that information is removed from credit reporting. But then if they default, it goes straight back on. Uh, but really, it, you know, each payment arrangement is case by case. What we're looking for is that good compliance history, genuine attempts to do the right thing, and viability, capacity to pay. Thank you. Nick, I mean, from, from your point of view and your members' point of view, what do, you, what do you think they would like to see in relation to the ATO reinforcement? I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is for those disclosures not to be removed. I know that's not something Claire and her team can manage. It's definitely something part of the legislation. And, and the way it works now is um, a great first step in that we now know when a business isn't engaging with the ATO, when they're putting their head in the sand, they're not doing it, it will be ex um, transparent through the credit reporting and you know that customer isn't engaging. So credit professionals can play that positive role in, um, uh, manage their risk, whether they 
do provide credit but on more restrictive terms or um, go on cash on, on delivery type terms um, and also encourage them to contact the ATO and, and, and manage that exposure um, and then support them when they've um, built that up as well. Um, but we really do want that to, to stay on the credit reports in the future um, because the a business that's not engaging has met all the requirements, has over $100,000 of tax debts outstanding one day and then enters into a repayment arrangement the next day is still significantly the same level of risk. So we'd like to see it updated to show that there is a repayment arrangement in place, they are engaging and that can give credit providers that confidence that they're maintaining their obligation and provide greater credit terms potentially because of that fact. Um, other than that, um, what we can deal with today and what we can manage today, we've got um, a strong, consistent, transparent approach, which it definitely sounds like Claire and the team are doing. Um, a strong process ensures that we're able um, to make sure unviable businesses don't expose creditors to unnecessary risk. Um, it's great that they can enter repayment arrangements and it's great to hear that there's a, a limit to how many times they can default on that and um, not be continuing to expose creditors to risk by trading on if they're not a viable business, which sounds like Claire and the team are doing there. We, we definitely don't want businesses wound up the first minute they mix, miss their tax obligation because that's not good for the economy and it's not good for credit providers either. Um, but a strong, consistent approach definitely makes sure that expectation is, is kept up. Um, and consistency gives us clarity that we know that if um, there isn't a, a, a um, disclosure made, then that business is either engaging or up to date with their, their tax. So having that consistency um, removes a lot of uncertainty for our members and they're able to get on with business and, and supporting customers where they can. And the transparency is the, the most important thing really to help um, our members make those um, right decisions, the fully informed decisions about what's happening. Um, and we've made a great step there with those disclosures. And another point I like to re-emphasize is just because there is that disclosure, whether it's the ATO or another credit provider on a credit report, doesn't mean a credit provider is not gonna provide credit for the rest of that business's life. Mm -hmm. um, our members are there to provide credit. It makes commercial sense to support those businesses and they definitely take that as an opportunity to work with their customer, understand if it's still a risk because there was a disclosure previously um, and how they can um, provide that credit in a commercially viable way and that allows that fully informed decision. So I hope that covers what we're, we're looking for, Scott. <laughs> That's great, Nick. Um, so Claire, what, what are some of the other insights or trends that are apparent in your most uh, recent annual report? What do you think these trends mean for businesses, credit managers and the overall health of the economy? Yeah, so as Nick commented on earlier, the size of the deck book has it has increased um, over the last few years. Uh, the, what's really good though that what, what we're seeing now is that the day-to-day -day movement in the debt book and week-to-week, month-to-month, it's following very similar patterns to what we've seen before. So whilst we're working off a much higher base, the trend over time is following normalised patterns, which is great. But because it is off a higher base, we do need to look at how to actually bring that uh, the size of the debt book down. Um, the portion of clients and types of debt that make up the total debt book have actually not changed over the last few years. So some of those trends we've seen, such as small businesses making up two thirds of the collectible debt book, um, and I'll repeat what Nick also said earlier, that 
That doesn't mean that all small businesses are in debt. The vast majority are not. But certainly the debt that we are carrying, two thirds, is held by small businesses. That was the case before COVID, is the case during the pandemic, it's the case now. About two thirds of the collectible debt book comes from taxes that are generally paid associated with activity statements. Again, that was the case before COVID, during COVID and after. And even some of the industries, construction, retail, where we see higher levels of debt, um, the, the trends have remained the same. So I think what that tells us is that whilst net debt has grown, some of the underlying um, mechanisms within the economy and some of the underlying challenges, uh, they fundamentally stayed the same. And what that means is that I think in terms of our debt approach, whilst we are doing new things like disclosing tax debts and trying new ways of reaching out to people such as directors, like I talked about before, uh, yeah, so, so whilst we're trying some new things, Fundamentally, we just need to keep doing what we've always done, which is early engagement, reaching out to every business the minute that they incur a tax debt, offering help and assistance, and that posture hasn't changed. Uh, even though we've restarted all of our pipelines, so we've got all of our old firmer and stronger actions running again, our posture of our first position is that we wanna offer help and assistance, that hasn't changed. And what I'd say to any business who has got a tax debt is that it's not too late to reach out to us. We don't want businesses to keep their heads in the sand. Again, quoting Nick from earlier, um, the sooner a business can reach out to either us or the tax professional to get help, we know that they will have a much more higher chance of getting back on track and then staying on track, which is better for everyone. Nick, do you think that the disclosure of tax debt measures that you lobbied for has been successful? Definitely sounds like we're moving in the right direction, but as we, as we stand today, I think we've still got a long way to go. The, the news we've heard today about the, um, the increase in the uh, letters going out and the implementation of that is definitely a great step. Um, what is it that we wanted with these, um, these measures? It was The first one was to level the playing field. I think that's significant to mention that those, there are some businesses out there that don't pay their tax to get an unfair advantage over their competitors. A small business competing with another small business can get a significant advantage by not paying their tax. So it's great to level that playing field um, and allow those fully informed credit decisions. So um, as I've mentioned, there's some things we'd like to see to update the legislation or continue to improve the legislation so we continue to roll that out. Um, and I think that leads to that um, change of culture that um, paying your tax isn't a choice, it's a, an essential thing that businesses need to do. Um, it's good for the whole economy and it gives um, that, that right um, level of information that will flow out as well. Um, we're only a year into the use of the, the measure, so it might be a bit harsh by saying it hasn't met its expectations, it's definitely going very well. Um, and it's very sensible to take that slow measured approach to make sure it, does have the right steps and doesn't have any unintended consequences, which so far it seems like um, it's it's helping and it's definitely what we expected as credit professionals that that, uh, that notice um, about your credit file being affected is a significant driver for customers to contact uh, their credit provider and, and resolve that. And I think I'll just echo um, Claire's statement there that um, we encourage all businesses to contact all their credit providers, not just the ATO, but don't put your head in the sand with any credit provider. They do want businesses to continue. They, our members don't like to, to bring out the big nasty stick. They much rather enter repayment arrangements that work for, for both organisations where they can. 
as long as that's open and honest and transparent, then um, there will be a stronger relationship that comes out of that moving forward on both sides. So, yeah, I think that's my suggestion. Let's keep that engagement going. Right. Just as we wrap up today's podcast, I'll probably go to both of you for any final messages or words that you might want to give to our listeners. So, Nick, we might start with you. I think my final word for the year and as been most of the year is getting close to your customers. There's um, a lot of things to be concerned about, rising costs of um, of everything at the moment. Costs are going through the roof, interest rates, um, global pressures, local pressures, um, climate change, natural disasters, and that's just the, a list off the top of my head. That doesn't mean all businesses are in a bad position, um, but it does mean a lot of them are needing support. So I do really encourage all our members to to focus on getting all their systems and processes and people in place as best they can so they can spend as much time as possible with their customers, identifying those good ones and supporting those ones that need some help that are going through that, that tough time. So yeah, that's my number one tip is get close to your customers. Right. And Claire, final word for yourself. Um, any other messages that you'd like to leave our listeners? Yeah, I'll just comment very briefly on effectiveness and, and then I'll close. Uh, as Nick said, you know, one of the purposes of this measure is about levelling the playing field, um, and it's certainly doing that. But there's no doubt that this measure is also providing a real strong incentive for businesses in debt to reach out to us. So we have written to all businesses who are eligible to have their tax debts disclosed and let them all know that this power is now in place and that we are taking these steps. So whilst we've only formally notified of the intent to disclose to about 10% of the businesses, we have written to all of them so, so they're aware we can take this action. There's about 38,000 businesses we've written to, to to raise this awareness, collectively owing about $12 billion of the collectible debt book. Of those 38,000, 24,000 are still eligible today. That means about 16,000 since receiving that communication from us have taken action to actually address their debt or engage with us. About a billion dollars of that 12 billion that was owed has already been paid outright and a further $2 billion is already now being managed under a payment plan. So I think as taxpayers, um, everyone on this line will hopefully take comfort, not from just the fact that sharing the information to credit reporting bureaus can help in informed decision making, but also it is providing that incentive for businesses to pay their taxes. And just with that, um, I just wanted to, yeah, again, encourage all businesses to reach out to us, their tax professionals, other credit providers, you know, work with us to make sure that your business can remain viable or you can get back on track if, if you're facing a challenge. Um, and apart from that, I'll just thank you again for, for having us today and, and wish everyone a, a very happy Christmas and hopefully a prosperous 2023. Well, thank you both. Uh, again, thanks Claire O'Neill from the Tax Office and Nick Pelavides from the AICM. Thank you for your time this morning and I hope, and I'm sure that all of our listeners got a lot out of, this to, uh, out of today's conversation. Thank you.